What's up? Seven Deuce Trace here on the Moto X Pod Show. Hey, this is Heather Kiefer, and you're listening to the Moto X Pod Show. Back, episode 108 of the Moto X Pod Show is brought to you by Torque One Racing. Torque One Racing is providing high quality, economical performance parts. Check out TorqueOneRacing.com for grips, pegs, handlebars, shifters, brake pedals, and more. Johnny and Torque One Racing has a passion for the racing industry, so follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're also brought to you by our longtime sponsors, Shock Socks, MX Girl Designs, All Sport Dynamics, Wrist Braces, Mad Jack Synthetics, an independent dealer of Amsoil, Fly Racing, Power Band Racing, Extreme Colors Helmet Painting, and Works Wheels and Mods for some engine work or Cerakote, anything like that that you need, they can take care of you. Well, we're coming off uh, Glendale, Arizona. Um, pretty, pretty exciting race. Blake Baggett gets his first win. We have a red flag. Malcolm Stewart breaks his femur, shuts everything down, bunches it all back up. Um, AC finally gets back on the box, on the, on the top podium of the box. Pretty exciting. Um, I'm in studio by myself tonight. JT Cooley could not make it. Uh, he was on our job. And then TJ's out west heading to A3 with his son, Doc, and his wife. They just did the uh, Supercross, Super, uh, Supercross Futures at Glendale. That was pretty cool. We hung out for that. Um, pretty cool watching some of those kids fly, man. Carson Mumford and Ryder D and Jordan Jarvis. People we've had on the show, they're just shredding that place. Paul Parabino's killing it on a Dean, Rep- Dean Wilson bike. Um, man, what an exciting weekend. We've got a great show lined up for you tonight. John K. Spear with Mo Tool. Not the oil, but the SAG, um, the SAG tool that's, that he's got. It's pretty rad. Um, yeah, so John Casebeer, Motool, M-O-T-O-O-L dot com. Also, Justin Brayton, Moto Concept, Smart Tops, Bullfrog, number 10. Geico Honda mechanic for typically Jer- um, Jeremy Martin, but he's working with McAdoo right now, Derek Dwyer. And Tyler Entenapp's girlfriend, uh, Mariana Street. She's going to come on, talk a little bit about being part of Tyler's program and, uh, you know, what she does with that. But... Yeah, this, this is going to be a short intro since I don't have anybody in the studio with me. It's kind of weird. don't like doing it without other people to talk to and discuss things. Um, we are going to announce a giveaway for a shock rebuild, shock service through uh, Powerband Racing here probably in the next week. So be looking for that. I mentioned on social media the FMF Drop giveaway that little D, Donnie Emler Jr. from FMF is uh, going to do. It's a If you don't know what the drop is, it's a subscription a monthly subscription you pay and each month you get a brand new fmf t-shirt that is not available to the public it's only available through the drop and a little something else every month um but he's gonna let us give one of those away for a year so i'm gonna tell you about how we're gonna do that probably in the next break got some ideas think it's gonna be kind of cool we want to support fmf 
Um, so yeah, so that's that's about it. We'll take a little break. We'll be back with John Case Beer. All right, so we're back, and uh, before we get to our first guest, I uh, got a cold of one of uh, my best friends and a listener of the show, Hal Simpson. Hal, what's up, buddy? Hey, guys. What's going on? Oh, you know, I'm just here by myself tonight. Um, JT couldn't make it in, but I wanted to get your uh, thoughts on the race this weekend. Um, your boy, Dino, had a little run-in with Bam Bam, uh, but just overall, Blake Baggett winning, the red flag, um, AC getting his first win of the the year. What do you think? Yeah, man. I, well, I'll tell you what, man. Overall, the race, uh, it was good. You know, uh, we got a good round of, uh, uh, I don't want to say good dirt, because it looked more like a parking lot with dirt on top of it. <laughs> but um, it, it was good. It was nice. Uh, I hate those first race mud races. You, you, you anticipate, you wait, man. You, you, you hope. Uh, can't wait for it to happen. It's a mud race, so it's kind of right. like watching an outdoor. Um, but, um, yeah, it was a good race, man. Uh I was really surprised. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, I uh, I was really <laughs> kind of shocked at Tomac. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I was. I was shocked at him. Um, he just didn't look. He didn't look right. I, I don't know something. Something ain't right uh, under Tomac's helmet. I think some of the. <laughs> Excuse me. I <laughs> I, uh, I had some below back here. Um, <laughs> I. Uh, I think the rumors, man, he just didn't look right. He, right. The rumors of him being hurt and stuff, I think, might be true, you know? Yeah, he, he's, um, he's definitely got something going on. I will agree with that. Yeah, and it it really looked like, uh, uh, you know, I saw his rear wheel lock up, which, you know, on a Supercross track at that level is probably not too confidence-inspiring. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was surprised by him. Really surprised by Moosecan. Uh, I expected that guy to do more. Uh, it just seems like the uh, the second echelon has stepped it up, and um, or maybe the first echelon has stepped it back. I don't know. Yeah, I, um, I mean, we know Moosekin had a little bit of a knee issue, and then I, I think it's I think the Jason Anderson thing. There was something to the wrist injury, just from what I've heard. And then Eli had the back injury, so maybe that's they're they're all plagued by some you know stuff that they're just not recovered from. Yeah, well, I tell you what, if that's the truth, man, um, we're in the, you know, into round two now, and we've lost Mookie, uh, Anderson, Osborne. I mean, holy crap, this this season might be thin. We're stacked right now, but good thing we are because there might be me and you out in the, <laughs> in, you know, the last round. That, that would be really around. ugly. That would be funny, though. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think uh, I think it's a, a good season, man. Boy, I feel sorry for Mickey Golly, man. I saw that kid go down, and you know, it's just. It, I think I said it on our group text. When the guys that you like are flying through the air, you just want to reach through the screen and grab them, you know. And then when one one of those turds hits the ground, you want them to bounce three or four more times. <laughs> but uh, Golly. It was it was it was horrible seeing him crash like that, man. Yeah, it when was. he hit the ground, dude, you could just tell. I yeah, mean, he hit the ground, and it was. Yeah, that, that was a high speed crash. I just rewatched the race a little while ago, and man, like just one more whoop, he was almost there. Yeah, he was, and and that, but that old four fifty, man, that thing just followed into the ground. You know, those Hondas are like a bad woman; they just follow you and beat you to death. Well, they're just uh, so fast. <laughs> I mean, there's so much horsepower. When they slam you, they hurt you. 
They're not like those little, yeah. those little KTMs, man. They're just like a little plastic toy. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I tell you what, seeing Sorello, man, uh, good on him, man. He had a great race, and the kid was just, golly, man, was he ever on it. Um, but you know, McElrath, I'll tell you, I, I said this to you a couple of weeks ago, man. I, I, I called out some of the, the guys, and, and so far, you know, uh, McElrath, man, I think that kid is going to be so good when he gets on a 450. Yeah, uh, and him yeah. and Steve Cirillo both. I think both of those kids are going to be, you know, up there. And, um, uh, gosh, who, who else impressed me this weekend? Um, Brayton uh, looked good. Yep. Just, um, Justin's going to be on the show tonight. Yep. And and then, of course, Roxon. You know, Roxon, man, poor kid. Golly, that that wasn't a bad pass. I didn't. I don't think you know uh, Anderson did it on purpose. I think it was a good deal, but man, heartbreaking for uh, for uh, Roxon. But well, God, I'm just I'm so afraid every time somebody gets close to him or he bobbles. I just expect both of his arms to explode yeah, into a million yeah. pieces. I, I just I'm 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 like a nervous wreck watching. Yeah, I, I get the same feeling, you know, and it, you think about it, even before that, I mean, if the red flag hadn't come out, he was five, like four and a half seconds ahead, you know, the chances are he wins that race. And yeah, yeah. if Jason doesn't, you know, take his front wheel out, he still may come back and pass Jason, because Jason definitely dropped off the pace there at the end. Yeah, man, something's up there, man. I'll tell you what, this, that's a, that, that's like the Cheech and Chong van. There's a lot of smoke under that hood. Something's... <laughs> uh, Something's going on there, man. I don't, I don't know if I don't know if all his voices are talking the same language, but some, something's weird. He there. may, he may have something going on mentally. Well, I guess you know it's hard to say, man. I mean, in this coming weekend, it looks like it's going to be a mutter again um, with all the rain SoCal's getting. So who knows how that weekend's going to go down? Yeah, I, I don't know. Some, I, something strange. I, I like I want to like the kid. I really do. You know, he's from New Mexico. Mm-hmm. I, I really want to like the kid, but. I don't know. It's just that he's like that looking at a hot chick in a bar. The one that has the crazy eye, you just kind of stay away from her. Right. But, um, the, uh, the, the, the big topic for Hal was the Barsha Dino incident. And, uh, you know, I heard about it from different people, third party, you know, somebody mentioned it on our group text mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and, uh, dude, <clears throat> let me tell you, it, there are some, Parts in life, you know, and I listened to Parabinos talk about it last night on the Pulse show, and, you know, he had a good adult, you know, opinion of it, you know, hey, look, you guys are, in, are getting, you know, you're close to 30, you yeah. know, you're, you guys are, you guys are adults, act like it, you know, he had a good, he had a good perspective on it. That's not Hal's perspective on it, <laughs> but you know my past, and you know where I come from, I sure. wish Dean would have laid him out, like, little guy, I wish he would have just pounded him, because there's a point where if you come off the track after being an asshole and somebody yells at you, you kind of got to say, you yeah, roger that, you know, my bad, sorry. But, you know, to, to headbutt somebody with your helmet on, I mean, come on, man, that that is where I come from in the, in the day and age you and I grew up in, that is ass-whooping time. Oh, yeah, it's un- unacceptable, for sure. Yeah, and it's just, a, it's a shame because, you know, we've seen other people get penalized for it, at, you know, if Barsha slammed his head and, and Dean, you know, grabbed his helmet and gave him the, the what's up, you know, they ought to pull Barsha aside and like, listen, you little rat fucker, if you do that again <laughs> and you get your clock cleaned, well, that's schoolhouse rock. That's yeah. what happens. But, well, you know. Thankfully, though. But, Dean, hey, Dean performed well. Yeah. Dean performed well. And thankfully, he, yeah. he 
kept, you know, cooler heads prevailed and he didn't get himself in any trouble, docked any points or anything like that. Uh, you know, I think Dean did the smart thing for the series. Yeah. 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 I, I, I think he did. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm proud of him for that. And, you know, I passed on my congratulations to him and, I told him, I said, man, you're a better, you're a better man than me. Yeah. God, I would have been suspended until next year. I, I feel like, God, I would have cleaned that kid's clock. My God. But, you know, I grew up in the 80s, a whole different sure. planet. Well, I saw you him know, after but, the race when I was leaving the stadium, but I didn't, I didn't even realize all that had gone down at that time. And, and then I saw him the next morning or next afternoon when he came out for Supercross Futures to ha- kind of hang out with Paul Parabinos. But at that point, I still didn't know. I hadn't been on social media to even realize something had happened. Um, so I never yeah. asked him about it, and I don't know that I would have. It's probably one of those things that he doesn't want to have to. He's not going to want to talk about publicly. So yeah, probably. Yeah, probably not. Not not to you know the media or yeah. you know if you ask fan like me. But yeah, <laughs> I, I agree with you. It just man, it's just golly. You know how we used to deal with things when we were kids. Sure, you'd get in a little fisticuffs, and then you would dust each other off and say, "Hey, man, sorry, my bad." Shake hands and. You know, then you're buddies. Right. That's just, I just wish, God, I just wish we could deal with things like that instead of headbutting somebody. And I mean, that's chicken shit. That's just chicken shit. Take your helmet off, handle your business, get your ass whooped, or deal one out, and go on. You know, but it's 2018. No, 2019. Yeah, it's a different day and age, man. Yeah, wait. Hey, Chad Reed. Oh, I know. You got to go, man, right? Well, yeah, you got a a couple minutes. You got a couple minutes. Go ahead. Yeah, so Chad, Chad, um... Uh, finished what he finished what 10, 19 I don't know uh, he finished uh, good lord I'm was pulling it, it up man I got it right here uh, 14th. 9th? 14th 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 yep. so he had a 9th and then he had a 14th and um, I went back last year and, and looked at, at uh, a round 2 and he finished 19th last year mm-hmm. so you know and, and then in Vegas we saw a really good ride from him in the heat and then he you know, did moderately well in the main. Yeah. And then, you know, this weekend we saw him do really good in the heat and then moderately well in the main. And, you know, when the guy gets his flow on, he's unbelievable. Yeah. Least, you know, but, but, uh, you know, he did moderately well. It's just kind of interesting. I just wonder how long Joe Gibbs, you know, is going to say, all right, we're spending a lot of money. You're doing moderately well. Um, you know, it's just, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, but, in the few seconds that I have left, I mm-hmm. want to tell you, your little YouTube things, your uh, walking through the pits, fantastic. Yeah. All of these other little uh, podcasts and a little show called Pulp MX. I mean, those, those guys, <laughs> i tell you what, man, no, nobody's doing that the way you're doing it. And that guy from Canada, I forgot what his name is. Then he have like a, like a month or two old podcast every once in a while or something. But anyway, no, <laughs> nowhere... Nowhere near what you're doing, man. Keep it up. Keep up the good work. I, I, I would I get to watch your podcast or listen to your podcast and watch your YouTube uh, channel, and it's uh, right. It's fantastic. You guys are you got you guys are doing a really good job. Congratulations. Good good on you, and, and keep putting the good content out there. Well, I appreciate that. And if you would, if and if you're listening to this in the next 20 hours or so of us publishing this posting it yeah. go to pulp mx's twitter page and please vote on the poll he's got a poll up should dark side cut his hair for um and all the money go to the privateers and i need you guys to vote no or leave it alone but do not vote yes because that will go all bad because <laughs> right now the yes is leading and 
man. Is it really? Yeah, and I, I don't know how I feel about this. So, anyway, but yeah, uh, how I got to get to let you go, and uh, we're going to get to John K. Spears with uh, Motul.co. Okay, good to go. Hey, good choice of music, too. The other guy needs some help. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on the on the YouTube? <laughs> on the on the vlogs? Yeah. Yeah, I told TJ I that's that got to change. <laughs> I thought my phone was ringing. Right, right. I thought my right, phone kept yeah. ringing. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty rough. <laughs> All right, man. I'll talk to you soon, bud. Right. See you, buddy. See you. All right, our first guest of the night is brought to you by Fly Racing. Since 1998, Fly Racing has been focused on developing the best gear possible with their light hydrogen, kinetic, new evolution, DST, and women's light lines, and the all-new F2 carbon helmet with MIPS, along with the FR5 boot and many other products, Fly Racing should be your gear of choice. Go to flyracing.com or your local dealer to see all that Fly has to offer. So on the line with us is Mr. John Casebeer of Motool.co, the Slacker Digital Suspension Tuner. What's up, John? Hey, how you doing, Jamie? Thanks for having me on, man. Absolutely, man. I was uh, checking your product out, you know, and, and um, Sean, Sean kind of mentioned you, and I was checking your product out, which I've seen it a long, you know, numerous times. And it's just one of those things where I was like, man, I'll just do it myself, you know, and I'll have my fiancé help me out and my, my, with, a, with a stepdaughter out there holding a tape measure and doing it the hard way. And then I watched the YouTube videos on how awesome this product is, and I was like, I have to have one, and I've got to get John on the on the show. Yeah, right on. No, I'm stoked to be on here. I think it's a, a tool everybody could use. A lot of people either you know blow off measuring it or don't know they need to or measure it wrong. So yeah, I just figure I'd try to make it make it a little bit easier on people, and especially for like moto parents stuff like that that don't have the time to really know all this stuff, you know. Well, yeah, and you know, I know about that kind of stuff, but I'm I'm like one of those people you're talking about where I'm just sort of lazy at times when I go to the track or um, you know, my suspension guy, he I when he when I sent my suspension to him the last or the first time, which was just a few months ago, he's like, "Well, when's the last time you checked your sag?" I was like, "Ah, I don't know, a couple of years ago." You know? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what he said. So tell me, you know, what made you decide to do some research and and develop this product and how did you go about it? Well, you know, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a long story, but basically, I didn't ride for. I used to race in the '80s, and then, uh, man, I didn't ride for like 26 years, and I got back into riding in 2012 and got a, a YZ450F. And uh, man, I you know I couldn't get that bike to turn for life. I mean, I figured it was just because I was old and, and just had forgotten what I was doing. Right. The four stroke, you know, was weird. The thumper was weird for me. I was used to two strokes, so. I fought that thing forever, so I just had to become obsessed with bike setup, and I finally figured out how I could get the sag set perfect and that bike would turn. I ended up, like, relocating the motor forward, I think, uh, 2.5 millimeters in the end, and that, that made it a lot more uh, forgiving as far as where the sag was on it. But I had bought one of the ASV solo sags, and I, I thought I could set my sag myself because I'm a real stubborn old dude. I just don't. <laughs> I don't like bugging people. Exactly. I don't like waiting for people, you know. So I was like, man, there's got to be a tool. So I bought that for like 115 bucks, And then I tried it out at the track. And right when I looked at the guide, I was like, man, it couldn't possibly work because you had to lean back to set zero and that throws off your baseline. Oh, yeah. And so I was kind of pissed off. I threw it in the van, didn't think much of it. And I ended up breaking uh, like three ribs that day. And then, so in the end, what I did was that, uh, 
I ended up on the couch for like a week, sleeping on the couch, sitting up on painkillers, and that just sat bad with me, and I just decided to go ahead and, and design something. I'm actually a network engineer by trade, so I just figured, why don't I make something digital where you could actually just see that number on the handlebars, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that, that's kind of where it all started, is just uh, I was sitting on the couch on painkillers with broken ribs, pissed off I spent $115 <laughs> on that other product, which is, is not on the market anymore, fortunately. So, uh, yeah, so I just I started building prototypes. I tried like laser, uh, ultrasound. Those were not good solutions. I tried a mechanical one that failed. And then this one came to me one night. I just figured out I could hang. I just hung a bar from a paint clip on a string from the fender and then measured it at the axle. And that was what finally worked and what I ended up turning into what is now uh, slacker, you know? Yeah. And, you know, it's funny about probably six months ago or so, my, my producer, TJ, like I said, he's out in the, the West Coast right now, but he's one of those guys kind of like you, obviously, he's, he's ingenuitive. He likes to come up with things on his own. He's like, I've got to come up with some kind of um, SAG tool. And he was he was basically making things out of like, you know, paper clips and stuff, trying to figure out a way. Uh, something that was actually what he came up with was very similar to what you had. And then he was doing some research. It's like, shit, somebody already does, already has done it. So, <laughs> yeah. So you beat them to it by a ways and it's, but I mean, and how did you go about marketing this thing? How, how long did it take before you realize, okay, I've got a good product. How many, first of all, how many versions did you go through? Uh, you know, I got through it pretty quick. The original, like my prototyping probably took me about two months from, from when I, when I thought of it until I had a working prototype and I just built it on an Arduino an open source hardware platform. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, so that was about two months. And then, uh, man, the engineering was absolutely brutal. It was, it took like seven, eight months and, uh, it was crazy expensive and, uh, to get it ready for manufacturing. And then, uh, but, but all the process, all the testing, all the prototypes, tended like i didn't have really any delays at all through the engineering or even the initial sampling with the factory and stuff oh nice and so that all went really pretty smooth but you know when i started this i just i went all in man my dad died like uh, within a month after i invented the tool i didn't know if it would sell or not but that following spring i just i was i had to spend a bunch of time in montana dealing with his estate and i ended up selling my business and I just figured I'd go all in on this thing. And some of that's been a blessing and some has been a curse, you know? <laughs> right, sure. But uh, I've learned a lot of lessons. Some of them have been hard all the way to losing like $31,000 straight out of my ass, you know? Ooh. So it's, it's been pretty brutal. I can't say I'm an expert at any of this stuff. I'm, I'm pretty good at manufacturing and all this stuff now, you know? Right. And the marketing and branding. But uh, I'm this is the fifth year Slacker's been on the market. It's actually, it's, it's gain a momentum every year more people know what it is but uh i'm honestly just getting on my feet where i really have a grasp on where to put my money and what i'm doing and the vision for the company taking me that long wow know? well yeah i mean it, it's not an easy uh industry to get into anyway um but i'm sure once people started using it the feedback must have been pretty positive yeah, that, I mean, we get five stars across the board for magazines, writers, you know, across the board. We've expanded out into street. We're doing good. We got a Moto America writer. 
So it's going. The thing is, we just don't have the money to compete with the big guys. You know, I worked with uh, Western Power Sports for a little while, and they just about sucked me dry because I gave them these really fat margins, and then they just turned around and dumped all that stock and, and like, beat my dealer price and, and sold them all back to my dealers like Rocky Mountain and everybody. And then caused this bunch of online competition. It took me like a year to recover from that. I had to just bail out of it. So, oh, wow. you know, it's just, yeah, it's kind of a live and learn deal. But, I, you know, I feel like I'm finally comfortable. I've got some good direction. I've got some new products I'm working on. And just we just released that app. I finally figured out how to uh, develop an app for just the documentation for now. But in the future, that'll become a remote display for the slacker. Yeah, Sean was telling me a little bit about that today, that you guys, uh, it, it's a free app, uh, gives you all the instructions, and, and yeah, you're developing it to, it's, you know, to, to move forward with the product where you can use to, to read the, I guess, to read the SAG when you're sitting on the bike? Yeah, yeah, it's gonna, it'll be able to be like a remote display, the, the remote that comes with it will turn wireless, this is a ways out, this is yeah, over a year out. I understand. <laughs> but, uh. Yeah, and then and then you'll be able to record your SAG, make notes on your bike and stuff like that. And then I have another product that I'm working on that's going to tie into that that actually is going to make Slacker look pretty basic. Okay. And, uh, and that's going to have to do with just bike maintenance and stuff. So it'll be another, like, Bluetooth product that's going to tie into that app that uh, I'm just I, – I can't talk a lot about it. I'm just working on the, the provisional patent on it. But uh, but that is another thing, and I'm real real excited about those. So the app's really going to be the core for all all the stuff we're doing moving forward. You know. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, yeah, apps are the apps are the wave of the future. It seems like so you you kind of almost have to have one anymore. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of the moto guys are all machine and stuff, and this is just not a machine shop, man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, um. I've been, I'm under the understanding that you've, you know, you're, you're a big fan of the privateers and you want to help a lot of riders out. And, um, it sounds like you've kind of, you, you, um, contributed some of your products to some of the privateers to help them out. How, how do those guys, um, how do they react to your help? Oh, you know, they love it. I kind of wish I could do more yeah. uh, for privateers. I work with TPJ with Ted Parks, and that's one way I can kind of give to more than one rider, you know, because sure. <clears throat> he supports them so good. So he gets, a, you know, like a, a couple cases of slackers and all that. He gets everything he wants every year. <laughs> Ted's the man. A little bit of money, too. Yeah. And then, uh, but all the other privateers pretty much like, I, I don't have any problem. Sean and I will pretty much hook up any privateer if it'll help their program. It's awesome that it's so, you know, I couldn't give them money, but it really benefits them to be able to check their SAG. Even even when I was working with Dakotas in the day when he had a, a decent team, you know, he practiced by himself and he was like the first guy using it and he absolutely loved it because he could check his SAG every moto at SOB, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so. They, they love it, and I just all hand them out like candy to privateers. If you're going to go bust your ass and make that series or even two races, I don't care. Like, I'm always happy to help people out. And most of my money is always in boxes in the warehouse, so that's the way I spread it around. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, that's pretty great. We we love the privateers uh, on the show. We've got a bunch of uh, friends that are privateers. I mean, we're friends with John Short and Van Martin and all the TPJ guys. Ted Parks yeah. Ted Parks helps us out quite a bit with stuff. Uh, he's a great person. So 
Um, yeah, he's my favorite. Yeah, for sure. Um, so how much do you follow? Do you follow Supercross every week? Do you watch it and just kind of you're enthralled with it like we are? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have. I mean, I got into Supercross in, like, 1980s, and uh, and I love it, man. I'm still into it. I love it. I think David Bailey's still my favorite rider, to be honest. Nice. From the, the 80s. But, sure. uh, but generally, no, I love it. I follow it every weekend. I'm, I'm on watching it. Even if I'm traveling, uh, I've got it where I can stream my dish TV on my TV in my van so I can watch it. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't like to miss it either. I, I actually subscribe to the NBC sports gold app this year so that I can watch it on my laptop or anywhere at any time. And, um, yeah. well, what are your thoughts on this weekend? Um, you know, we had some pretty, pretty cool stuff at, well, not all of it's cool. We had the red flag with, uh, Malcolm Stewart getting hurt that kind of, yeah. it, it, it threw everybody into disarray, but then we had Blake Baggett winning his first supercross. We had Adam C. and Cirillo winning his first Supercross in a long time. Um, you know, we had Jason Anderson taking down Kenny Roxon. Yeah, what are your thoughts on this weekend at Glendale? Oh, man, I, I thought it was all good. I was really stoked to see Baggett take take that win. I think he's just, just not uh, – I think he's got all the potential, especially for, like, an outdoor title. Yes. He just hasn't put the pieces together, and he's worked hard. I mean, that kid's been busting for a long time. He's, he's not going to have any hair by the time he gets the title. <laughs> but I think he will get a title in the next couple of years. And then uh, – but uh, I thought it was all good, man. That pass from Anderson was – it was a little bit of hard call. I kind of think Roxon maybe should have looked a little – you know, been a little more aware of that inside and not turned down. Yeah. But it was it was pretty aggressive to cut across those jumps like that. But it was good to see Anderson up to speed, and uh, I'm just still curious if Tomac will ever find consistency. He's fast as hell, but I'm just still wondering if he's gonna piss it away this year or not. You know? Yeah, so are we. I was just talking to uh, one of my buddies Hal uh, a little while ago, and you know, he, he we were talking about all the same stuff, and I was telling him, you know, look. Um, Marvin Muscan had a knee issue this this offseason. Um, the rumor is, well, we know that Eli had a little back injury, and he was off the bike for a little while, so he's probably not 100%. Yeah. And there's rumors that Jason Anderson had hurt his wrist uh, a couple weeks before the season for the Anaheim. And, you know, I, I think those guys are just not 100% yet. Yeah, and they got to get up to speed. The first two rounds, you're just still trying to figure out what's coming and going. You right. Know, it's heck those first few rounds so i think everybody's got to get settled in the points are kind of all over the board you know roxon in the lead that's probably be tough to get that back if he stays consistent but man i think it's wide open man i, I think do too. i think anderson's got a long haul after a1 other than that i think those top two guys uh even Muskin, i think he could be in it uh, Tomac Anderson and, and maybe Baggett, man. That'd be fun to see some new guys. And, and who knows, Matt Cooper Webb. I, I don't know, like in Glendale so much, but he showed a ton of speed at A1. Yes. And he's shown a lot of speed in general in practice and stuff. And I'd like to see him knock a couple wins off. That would be good to see some of the young guys get some stuff. You oh, know? absolutely. He, w- he was on the show last week, you know, after that ride coming from dead last to, uh, I think, I forget what it was, fifth or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's amazing. There's no doubt. And then this weekend, you know, Cali's still getting a ton of rain, so we may have another mutter, which could just throw everything into another, you know, and it's a triple crown. 
Yeah, yeah, no, it could be just madness. It seems <laughs> like every year the the rain threatens pretty much every year. It just doesn't usually end up being a mudder. It looks like it's going to be, but this year that wasn't the case. So yeah, and otherwise, like it was good. Like you know, uh, Ben LeMay, he went straight into the main. He got ninth, and and the heat went straight to the main. He was a little bummed on the main, but uh, I thought he rode great. <laughs> he kicked ass, and then. Uh, and then the, the Rockwell guys just have had are just a horrible start to the season. They've had bike problems, and they threw a valve on the parade lap. <laughs> Mitch did, so that that wasn't good. So that part of it kind of sucked. But uh, yeah. otherwise, it was good, and and that's all survivable. But Mookie busting his femur that that really did suck. Man. That it was did. A bummer. I had just just interviewed him before the race uh, started, and yeah, he was in such good spirits. And then you talked about Mitchell Harrison. <laughs> I play, you know, uh, Pulp MX Fantasy, and I, I had him on my team, and yeah, so bad luck for him, and it it trickled downhill to my fantasy team. Yeah, I know it always runs downhill, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, tell me a little bit about how you know just you, you getting started in moto to begin with. Did you ride dirt bikes as a kid? How did, how did you get involved with to where you got to the point where you had to come up with your own sag tool? Yeah. It, you know, it's kind of a blend of a lot of things, <laughs> motocross and punk vans and all running my own businesses. But, you know, I got into motorcycles. I think I got my first bike in probably like 1978, a little XR75. And then, uh, and then I stepped up. Uh, my dad let me start riding his XR185, which was kind of just a beater bumper enduro bike, you know, with like six inches of travel. But I'd thrash <laughs> that thing around. But I, one day, man, I saw that, the 81 CR250 Elsinore. Oh, yeah. That's that first single shock, the white radiator shrouds, man. And I just became obsessed and drove my parents crazy for like a year. <laughs> and I actually, they finally, I think I just drove them so insane, they just had to buy the damn thing for me. So <laughs> That's awesome. I got that bike in like uh, late 81, and then uh, we needed to figure out what to do with it. And we saw that there was racing down in Phoenix. We lived in Flagstaff, Arizona. so. We went down to Canyon Raceway, showed up way too early during the day for a night race, all excited, and then waited and burned in the heat all day, <laughs> and then went out there and raced, and man, we just loved it. Our dad loved it, and we just got hooked on it, so I raced like all through the 80s in high school, and then when I went to technical school in the 80s, late 86, my brother was still racing, but right around that time, man, Danny Chandler and David Bailey both got paralyzed, and my dad just pulled the plug on that stuff. I wasn't uh, racing anyway because I was in school, yeah, and I, I couldn't afford it, and he pulled the plug, and then so so basically from there forward, I didn't race. I followed it, but I played in punk bands and toured and did a bunch of other stuff and ran my own businesses, and then I quit playing in bands. So I needed something to do, so I started riding motorcycles, and within a year, I had uh, a motocross company. So wow, and just kind of yeah, it just kind of worked that way, man. Dude, <laughs> Sharp I, ride. <laughs> I love the fact that you were in a punk band. That's awesome. I, I that's my like, if I could have one little fantasy, it'd be to be a, a a guitar player. And I I just have zero musical ability, but I love music. So a lot of my friends yeah. are in bands, and I, you know I, I'm a I'm into rock and metal and punk, so yeah, it's that's cool. I, well, I have zero music ability, but I made it. I toured for 20 years, man. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. I love it. I love it. Uh, well, so uh, what's so what's next for you? you? You told me you got some stuff coming out that you can't really talk about, but I mean, 
you know, is that, is that just the, the idea is to grow the brand Motul and, uh, you know, have multiple products? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that's where I've been wanting to be, you know, we just released like that, uh, that ballistic nylon case for the slackers, which is really nice. And it's something I've wanted to do for a long time. It's just the money. I, you know, a lot of people seem to think I'm rolling in money, but I'm literally like right now I'm sitting in my brother's basement. I've been living down here for two and a half years, grinding it out, yeah. trying to get this thing on its feet. <clears throat> so there just is, there really is no money. I've been working like last year, I worked 1099 work all year doing these crappy greasy McDonald's and a bunch of stuff. Cause uh, I had a bad experience. A guy ripped off a bunch of money and I just had to figure out how to survive, you know? Mm. So, uh, so right now, like my thing is I'm on my feet, the, the company is healthy. I've learned my lessons and, and I've got a bunch of good stuff coming with like the Bluetooth slacker and, uh, the app and I'm working, building that out, uh, myself, which has been pretty fun. Actually, it's really tedious crap, but it's, it's really rewarding when you get it to work. You know? Right. And, uh, so I'm going to just build off that platform and start trying to grow and see if we can't help more riders out throw the brand more into the street and adventure stuff. And, uh, and it's going to be fun this year. I'm really excited to have a rider in that Moto America series. Uh, Michael Gilbert, Gilbert on a 1000 CC and the, the street racing is something that I didn't really ever, when I was young, it was Moto or death, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but as an uh, older adult, I really actually really enjoy it. It's, it's absolutely amazing. The things those guys do on the bike. And I've learned a ton. I've worked with, uh, Dave Moss is one of the big suspension tuners and uh, we work together and do video together all the time. And like that, that whole industry actually is a lot more open, at least the U S I don't know about MotoGP, but the Moto America, it's a smaller series. It's young. And so it's still a lot more accessible than okay. like supercross and stuff, you know? Yeah. That's cool. Well, um, yeah, so I've been enjoying that. yeah, that's awesome. Well, John, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, uh, it's Motul, M-O-T-O-O-L dot co, Slacker Digital Suspension Tuner. Check them out. Uh, follow them on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, man, thank you so much for some of your time, and this thing is amazing, and I'm definitely going to be spreading the, the word about it. Yeah, absolutely. Let me know if you have any questions on that tool or on uh, bike setup, any of that stuff. Just hit me up anytime, man, and de- definitely thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh, appreciate your time, and you have a good night. Yeah, you bet. Thanks, Jamie. All right, John. Thanks. Yeah. All right, John Case Beer, uh, Co. Yeah, check it out, man. This guy's supporting privateers, and, you know, we all have to check our SAG, or we should be checking our SAG, and this is a way to do it where you don't have to get a bunch of people involved. Uh, you can do it by yourself. It's pretty cool. Check it out. There's some YouTube videos on it. Um, so, yeah, and as far as the FMF drop giveaway that we've been talking about, so we're going to do – you guys know that – we streamed our show last week and we're going to start doing that more often uh, when we're at the other studio. I'm at my house tonight. Um, so here's what I want to do. If you want to get involved and you want to get a chance to win the FMF drop free subscription, first thing I need you guys to do is send a picture of you wearing uh, an FMF product or, uh, or of your FMF exhaust system. If you have an FMF t-shirt um, or if you need to go fmfshop.com and buy a t-shirt, but if you send me a picture of you in some FMF swag or with an FMF exhaust system on your bike on Instagram, Moto Xpod show on Instagram, that's how you're going to get, um, into the contest. 
We're going to give you a couple weeks to get into it, and then we're going to do a trivia question thing on the YouTube stream. So that's how we're going to we'll pick the, pick a winner from YouTube. You'll have to be, be able to follow that whatever night we tell you announce whatever night we announce that we're going to do it. You'll have to follow. But right now, get your Instagram pictures in. Tag at Moto X Pod Show. Tag uh, the FMF social, the, the official one, and Little D. Um, I'll put all that on our Instagram here soon. I'll get it up on the website. But that's what we're gonna how we're gonna start this thing off. Uh, if you have any questions, hit me up. Hit us up at uh, MotoXPodShow.com in the contact form, and we'll uh, we'll get it going. But yeah, that's a pretty cool subscription. I sure would like to win one. I need to do that. Um, all right, guys, we'll be back. Take a commercial break. We'll be back in a little bit. Hey, this is Chase Sexton. You're listening to the MotoX Pod Show. Hey, Kylie. Does your husband have to deal with leaking shafts? No way, Kathy. He uses shock socks. The original and number one 10-second removable fork sill protector. Looks like the best way to keep grit and grime out of your fork sills. So, if you don't want the headache and expense of constantly replacing fork sills, get Shock Socks. Go to ShockSocks.com and visit them on Facebook to pick your color. And don't forget, they are available for street bikes too. Dark Side here. Are you guys in the market for a set of new custom graphics? Are you tired of the same old basic layouts the big box companies offer? Well, if so, then you need to check out MX Girl Designs. From custom graphic kits, stickers, reproductions, and even vintage, MX Girl does it all. Call or text Char at 936-828-1472 or email Char, C-H-A-R, at mxgirl.com, and that's mxgirl, G-U-R-L and tell her Moto X-Pod sent you. Mad Jack Synthetics is an independent dealer of Amsoil Synthetic Oils. Amsoil has been around for 45 years and was the first company to bring synthetics to the general public in 1972. Since then, Amsoil has led the way in application-specific oils and fluids designed solely for your cars, trucks, motorcycles, boats, and more. We understand what your needs are when it comes to protecting your investments, whether it be your motorcycles or the vehicle you use to transport your motorcycles. Dane Evans and Mad Jack Synthetics is nationwide with customers and warehouses all across the USA and Canada. By joining the Preferred Customer Program, anybody can buy Anzoil products factory direct at wholesale pricing. Want to stock it at your shop or use it on your fleet of vehicles for your business? Would you like to become an Anzoil dealer and have a tax write-off for your trips to the track or trail and start selling Anzoil to your friends and fellow racers? With Amsoil, you get free shipping on orders over $100, even when you are a wholesale customer. Contact Dane Evans to find out how it all works. We at Mad Jack Synthetics are riders and racers just like the guys at the Moto X Pod Show. We know what you need to keep you in the game week in and week out. Amsoil Incorporated is a sponsor of many of your favorite series. Snowcross, ATV MX, Daytona Bike Week, the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally, GNCC, King of the Hammers, Hot August Nights Car Show, and Motorcycle Mechanics Institute. Contact Dane and tell him the Moto X Pod Show sent you. Let him help you save money on your maintenance using Amsoil. Contact Dane at 805-531-9551 or toll free at 855-623-5225 or at madjackdiesel.shopamsoil.com. Like us and contact us on Facebook at Dane Amsoil Guy. On Twitter at Dane underscore Evans 393 and on Instagram at Dane underscore Amsoil Guy. 
What's up, Moto X Pod listeners? This is Darkside, and as motocross racers, one of our top priorities is safety. That's why Allsport Dynamics wrist braces are one of my favorite products. Allsport Dynamics sees themselves as the Picasso of safety braces. Their passion for design and developing beautiful braces never stops. They've had the privilege to work with some of the largest names in the sports industry and have established a reputation for always bringing innovation to the table with every brace. For the pro chasing the championship or the six-year-old whose mom wants to avoid a broken bone, please try Allsport Dynamic Wrist Braces. Go to motocrosswristbrace.com or check out Instagram at wristbraceguy or call 936-569-1003 and ask for Jeff Brewer or Gary White. And keep in mind, these are the wrist braces that Justin Bogle, Joey Savacci, Weston Pike, Adam Ciancerello, Matt Gerke, and Brock Tickle wear in their pro careers. Check them out, All Sports Dynamic Braces. Since 1998, Fly Racing has been focused on developing the best gear possible. With research and development, they have become a leader in safety and comfort. Fly Racing is worn by many of the top athletes in motocross and supercross, including Weston Pike, Blake Baggett, Zach Osborne, Andrew Short, Damon Bradshaw, and Adam and Tyler Antonap. Seven dudes, Trey. I wear fly wear fly too. 2019 Fly Racing line includes the popular Light Hydrogen, the new Evolution DST line, the all-new women's light line, a redesigned F2 helmet, the FR5 boot, and Zone and Zone Pro goggles. Fly Racing also has hard parts for mountain bike products and snow gear. Go to flyracing.com or check out your local dealer for more info. All right, we are back with our next guest of the night, and he is brought to you by Powerband Racing. Powerband Racing is a suspension company dedicated to providing the best service and products. They are committed to developing new products that improve your ride, they're an authorized WP service center, so if you use WP suspension, please contact Powerband Racing at 320-983-3400. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram. On the phone with us is Moto Concepts, Smart Top, Bullfrog, number 10, Justin Brayton. What's up, bud? Hey, man. How are you? Doing real good. Doing real good, man. Um, Just got home. I guess I got home Sunday night from uh, Glendale and back to my real day All job, right. and I'm trying to just get back into the swing of not being at the races, I guess, and having to work a real job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hear it's kind of the same for us when we get back home. I I normally land about, uh, I'll come flying from the flying from the West Coast, actually, back to Charlotte. It's kind of a long day because yeah. I use three hours. So I land and uh, most of the time get home just in time for, to have some dinner with the family and put the kids down to sleep and then back at the track uh Usually Monday morning, so yes. yeah, quick turnaround. It is, it is. Do you usually fly out early in the morning or later in the day? I like to fly mid-morning, not super early, just because I feel like it's so hard to sleep after I'm done with a night of racing. Yeah. Your adrenaline kind of still going, and you don't really get back to the room till 11.30 or 12, and then by the time you really fall asleep, is it's after midnight. So if I got a 6 a.m. flight, you only sleep for four hours, and I feel like it's a crucial time to get some recovery in, so... Uh, I like to sleep, you know, at least six or eight hours, preferably eight, uh, after, nice. after a race. And then, uh, just kind of have a mellow casual day and not really be stressed about making a 6am flight. I used to do that, but <laughs> gotten smarter in my older age to where yeah. I know how crucial sleep is. So. Yeah. I was going to say, cause I've only been doing the media stuff at Supercrosses, you know, the last two years and I've only flew to like three or four of them. So, and I, I always book, 
like fly out of Dallas at 6 a.m. because it's cheaper and we're on a budget. And then I regret it as soon as I do. Cause like yeah. you say, we're at the stadium till like midnight and I go back and I start posting and editing interviews and it's three and I'm like, well, I, I gotta go to the airport now. And yeah, just, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. And you guys being professional athletes, you definitely need all the rest you can get. Um, so, uh, so far, you know, Hey, we've had a one where you got an 11th, seventh at Glendale with a heat win. Um, man, you're still right there. How you, I mean, how are you feeling mentally and physically though? I mean, it's early in the season, but you, you had a long off season of that. You weren't actually, you didn't even have actually have an off season. You raced. <laughs> it was in season yeah, starting yeah. in September, but yeah, I feel good. I, you know, Anaheim won. Uh, I feel like that's my mulligan for the year because <laughs> just with how, how muddy it was, I was fast all day. I qualified in the top five and, and then once the rain started coming, it kind of took the wind out of my sails. It, it's just such a, a crap shoot for, sure. for your start. And, uh, and I'd actually just passed Mar for either seventh or eighth on about the fifth or sixth lap. And, and I crashed before the whoops and my gloves were muddy and my, my grips were muddy and just, it kind of really ruins your race after you after you fall and sure. and uh, especially in a big mud hole like I did and so that was a little bit of a bummer but still to come back with an eleventh it wasn't great by any means but um, this past weekend definitely was better um, it was definitely a track position track in the main event to where I believe I started on eleventh or twelfth and I passed some good guys to get up into seventh which was cool but I also feel like I left a lot on the table. With, I was riding during the day and stuff, but I feel like if the first couple rounds are any indication of kind of where my speed's at and fitness and all of it, and I'm right there knocking on the door to get another win this year, and, and um, uh, I'm feeling good. Like you said, I had a lot of so-called off-season races, yeah. but uh, Anaheim 1 was my 10th race uh, <laughs> <laughs> kind yeah, of crazy. the year, or not of the new year, but of the season, and um, I like it that way. I really do. I, I get to really learn my bike and figure it out on different track conditions and mm-hmm. different obstacles. And I really believe it's a huge benefit, uh, with the, the program that I've kind of figured out, uh, for me to show up at Anaheim one and first practice, I felt super comfortable. Just felt like it was just another, another day at the office. So yeah. where there's been years past where Anaheim one is just like, you're so tense and so nervous and you're not sure about your bike. And there's so many variables that, that are in play there that, I feel like I took a lot of those out of out of play. Yeah, you, you. I'd heard you mention that before, and I think that's that's definitely a very smart thing. I know a lot of the guys choose not to, you know, maybe they don't do those races because they're trying to rest a little bit, and there's so much travel. But having those gate drops before the big gate drop, it's got to be, you know, building that confidence and and just being in race shape. I know there's a huge difference in race shape and practice. There's a massive difference, and and throughout my 250 career. I was always so fast at the test track. I mean, I felt like no one could touch me at the test track. I'd show up, and I'd be so confident, and then I just never raced good. I mean, I got several podiums, but I never got a win and never really was in real contention for a championship. I, you know, I got top five in most of the championships in the 50 class, but just could never quite get over that hurdle of why am I not racing like I'm practicing, and right. I just felt like I didn't do enough of it. I didn't grow up you know, racing all around the, all around the country. Like a lot of these guys, I didn't grow up winning all the time. So I just felt like I was. Be- yeah. All right. So we got Justin back. Uh, we lost signal there for a second, but you go ahead and uh, finish what you were saying. Yeah. I just think it's really crucial to, to get gate drops and, um, 
and and your fitness is so much different. I feel like I can go to any test track and do a hundred laps and <laughs> nice and not really get that tired, you know, where in a race, I mean, sometimes after the heat race, you're so winded, you're just like, that was that was six minutes of racing, and all off-season, I've been doing 25-minute full sprint, Yeah, and um, where just getting more races under my belt, I just think, it's just what I've learned throughout my career, that I know that was my weakness when I was younger, and I know i just got to keep working on it, keep working on it. I don't think there's enough races that you can do. Uh, for sure, the guys that do motocross in the summer, I understand that you need some some rest and stuff, but that's why I've kind of tailored this program more to Supercross that I'm doing now, and, and to get all the Anaheim ready to go, and and I feel like it worked last year, and and um, it's working again this year. I, I I lost you a little bit there. You 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 went real low. You still there? Yeah, you got me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, it's, my, you... uh, it's my Apple. AirPods or whatever. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I would assume that a part of that, you know, you talked about like getting tired, a little more tired in a race, and you wouldn't practice or anything. But that's got to be just the intensity of. There's so many other guys there that you know are. Um, th- there's just a different variable. You don't know what the guy next to you is going to do. It's a lot less of a control. It's not a controlled um, situation like a practice is. Yeah, and I think a lot of it's track conditions too. You know, oh, like yeah. our. Our main event, the track is so hammered. I actually wish the fans were able to go out on the track and see actually how bad it is. And the test tracks just never get like that. You'll never, ever find a test track to where it's beat up that much because there's only three or four or five people that are maybe allowed to ride there. And At a race, there's obviously, you know, how many bikes do, how many laps on that track. And then, so you've got to change your lines. And, and when you change your lines that much, it changes your bike setup. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's really, really important to me to, to do those races and to feel those jitters. And then in Australia racing for a championship, there's nothing like that, you know? Um, so yeah, I think it's just a, it's a critical thing. And then to, to actually learn how to win, I don't think people put much emphasis on that, but it's actually a skill. You have to learn how to win races. And I didn't win that much as an amateur. And then of course you turn pro and if you didn't win as an amateur, you're probably not going to win as a pro so yeah typically i uh yeah i you know learned how to win a little bit in arena cross and then once i went to supercross i um i just for one didn't hardly believe that i was there so then you're probably not going to believe you can win if you're just <laughs> sure. happy to be there you know right. what I mean? and so then I, I started doing some overseas stuff and then yeah there's good guys but you know maybe only four or five americans and and i started winning some off-season stuff and and I just slowly built confidence, and um, and I think all that time finally went into, you know, Daytona last year when I sealed the deal finally, and there was times in, over my career where Filippoto would pass me with three laps to go or something. I could just never quite seal the deal. Yeah. And to finally seal the deal, I think it took all those race wins in Australia and Europe, um, arena costs. It just, I believe you have to learn how to win. and, and uh, Unfortunately, learning how to win an American Supercross is about the hardest thing you can do in the world. So yeah, for sure. You to go elsewhere, right? Yeah. Right. So you mentioned Daytona, and I was going to bring that up. Um, you know, that was huge for you. Uh, your, the fans, the the industry was all so supportive. Do you still get a lot of uh, reaction about for that win from the fans and and the autograph lines and stuff? Yeah, for sure. Pretty much anywhere I go, uh, if I'm signing autographs or or anything, I, or just walking through 
the pits now or riding through the pits to the to the gate or to the starting line, I'll always hear people, yeah, Daytona, and and, and everyone's just excited about that. And, and, man, it was so cool. I still, to this day, just it was just an amazing night, it, a super unexpected night, um, only because it was Daytona and typically not, you know, we've all heard of it. It's not my favorite track. It's right. not somewhere that where I would expect to win. And so that made it even cooler. Sure. And, um, yeah, so it was an incredible night that for sure a lot of people still talk about and, and I'm happy to talk about it for as long as I live. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we know Weege is still excited by it. Uh, what, what's it like yeah, having uh, Wygant as such a big fan of yours? Yeah, it's cool. I, I, you know, part of it's probably a little bit of a joke that we kind of run with more and more, but it's super fun. Weege is awesome. He actually lives fairly close to me here in, in North Carolina and, and uh, then actually went online the other day and bought me a, uh, a Weege shirt. Nice. And everyone thought that it was given to me and he was all stoked that they gave it to me but I actually went on there tried to be all stealth mode and buy it and <laughs> i didn't even think about that it would come over the the racer guy's desk and here it was justin brayton so they they That's found funny. out that way but um yeah it was pretty funny we just a cool dude definitely definitely um so i want to ask you you know there, there's all this talk about you know reed being one of the older guys and uh you know these records that he's trying to break, but I mean, you're what you're one of the older vet riders. You just want, you won Daytona last year. Um, your results have been better than Chad's. Um, do you feel any like not resentment, but like that they talk, there's more talk of Chad than there is of Justin Brayton at the, at the age that you're at and still being as competitive as you are. Um, not, not really only because I think, Chad deserves it. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's a two-time champ. He's won way more races than I've won. He's got way more podiums than me, and and he's been around longer than me. It, we're you know he's two years older than me, but he's raced a lot more races than I have, and um, so it seems like he's been around a lot longer than me. You know, when when he was racing when he first started in Supercross, I was still in high school and <laughs> didn't even think I'd ever race a Supercross. So yeah. Um, for me, I started the same year as, as Dungey in the 450 class, but I'm just I'm just quite a bit older just because I got a later start. So I kind of see that sense, but also, I mean, Chad's arguably the most popular rider in Supercross, and um, he's got a lot of records, so they probably talk about those and then talk about him maybe breaking the record for oldest to win, but I hope that I can hang on to that one. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, definitely. I hope he's, it'd be cool to see him him win but um i want to i want to hang on to that record and i'm not sure that i'll uh be around till 37 or, <laughs> or whatever it is so yeah not real not real sure but um well uh yeah I, I hope i hang on to that record it's a cool one for sure and uh yeah it's pretty neat yeah definitely congratulations on that that's that's a really it is a cool record and uh very excited that you got that um you know and just real quick speaking of chad he's known for just constantly chasing setup changing things um do you do a lot of that or do you you with all the off season or quote unquote off season racing you've done i would assume your setup is where you want it you're comfortable with a bike and you probably don't change a lot during the week man i'll be totally honest i haven't changed anything um chassis wise in almost two years now since the 17 came out the honda 
came out. Um, we were searching a little bit at the beginning when we first got it because we got it late before the, the 17th season. So we searched a little bit that year, but going into Australia in uh, 2017, I pretty much haven't changed my setting since then. We went a little bit softer in the forks for Daytona last year, yeah. and I'm still running that setting. Okay. So it's a little bit softer in the front, but that's literally the only thing I've changed in in uh, over two years. So uh, I think it's a huge benefit of mine to be on the same bike. I think it's a huge advantage. I've been on teams where, you know, they get new bikes, so you're changing a bunch of things, or you're yeah. constantly chasing setup, and teams want to try this and try that, and they're always testing, and and I've been down that road. It's a slippery slope that, that you're just constantly searching. And there's riders that I help now quite a bit. It's like, man, just get a setting and then learn it. And if if you're happy with it, don't try to search around and change it. And um, and then you're going to know what it's going to do in every little kicker, every set of whoops. And that's where I think right now I'll go to every track this year and be comfortable just because I know what, exactly what it's going to do on every type of type of track. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that, it just seems logical. So yeah, you, you've got that figured out. Um, and you, and I may imagine that makes it a lot easier on your mechanic. Um, so speaking of mechanic, I want to know what it's like not having Berluti under the tent this year. Yeah, it's a bummer for sure. It was so fun to work with Berluti last year. And, um, yeah, it, it was cool. I, I'll remember him working for me forever, you know, especially getting his first win, getting my first win did that together and they get a team's first win. So that was, that's so special. And I, I mean, I think so highly of Berlut, really awesome guy. So, uh, yeah, bummed, yeah, definitely bummed. He's not around and won't see his face much at the races. And, uh, so yeah, I'll definitely cherish, um, last year for sure. Fantastic. Um, just a couple more things. Uh, this weekend we had the, the red flag because of Malcolm, your, your teammate who got hurt. Um, Hopefully he'll be back at 100% as soon as possible. But um, what's that like having to, you know, your your heart rate's up. You're right in the you know early part of the race. You're you're struggling for for, for positions, and then you got to just stop and you sit there and wait, and you're cold, and then start right back up again. It was it was really difficult. Uh, I I got to be honest, it was it was tough just because you're you're kind of in that mode, you know, especially about that point, we were six or seven minutes into the race. You're mm-hmm. just starting to feel your groove and you're like, you know, I made a couple passes and I'm like, all right, this is good. I got my spots. You know, I got right. the left side of the whoops that I found was really good. And uh, I was doing a rhythm lane that not many people were doing. So I was like, all right, I got my spots and then bang, the red flag, flag comes out. But then again, it's kind of the same for everybody. I know it's sure. not easy for any, any of us. And I wasn't that good at that of a position at that time, I think I was ninth or 10th. And so I had a lot to gain where I just thought the other guys, you know, if you're in the top five, you're like, Oh crap. You know, now I've got a lot to lose. They were kind sure. of thinking the opposite mindset. I feel like so. Yeah. Cause um, it was okay. And, and I took advantage of it. I made two really quick passes, the first two or three laps on, on Cooper and Dean. And then I, I had caught Barsha and just never ended up passing him. But, um, so it worked out pretty good for me, but you're right. It's really tough to sit there, and especially after you've kind of gotten your groove and, and are starting to feel good, but um, ended up working out okay. Yeah, it worked out good for you. I think probably the person that took the worst hit would be Ken because he was about four and a half seconds ahead, I think, yeah. at the time. And Yeah, it's going to be a bummer, yeah. but, you know, I mean, I think the track, the, the they did the right thing. Malcolm was pretty serious injury, and, and, mm-hmm. and there's guys jumping over him, and that was just dangerous. So. Yeah. 
you know, you got yeah, safety's got to come the first. Right thing for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. Okay, so Triple Crown this weekend. Um, I know that you know that format seems to fit you really well. Uh, or do you even agree with that? That that's a good format for you, or is that just us quote unquote experts talking? Yeah, I don't know. I honestly, I'm not sure because. I did get top five at all the triple crowns last year. I won one of the main events, but also won a regular main event. Sure. Um, you know, so, and I got several top fives in regular races as well. So I, I don't know if it really suits me or not. I mean, it's really hard to say. I guess you could kind of say that because that's where I got my first win, I guess, was mm-hmm. Atlanta and got, um, I got podium and maybe four or five of them. So, yeah, it's definitely good, but it's all start. It's based off your start, and and I had my start styled last year. This year, I'm still trying to figure them out a little bit, but um, I've got some stuff that I'll work on tomorrow, and hopefully, I can get out of the gate. But for sure, with a with a whole shot or a top three start, it's on. I definitely feel like I can win. I can win all three of them, uh, and for sure, win the overall. So there you go. Really, really got to get my starts working this weekend, and that's that's my main goal for all day tomorrow at the test track we'll be getting those things figured out and trying some different stuff so um i think it's fun though it's it's stressful as a racer but as a fan it's awesome i I think it's really cool yeah i do like them um but on like as a for me as a fan i love seeing the lcq and and uh seeing those guys (laughs) battling for those last spots you know that's sometimes one of the most exciting races so it's yeah, they me, still have it though on the triple crown, right? They still have the last four spots. Yeah, I think up they for grabs. So. But I, I don't think they show it on the night show on TV. But uh, I yeah, guess with the right. app this year, though, with the NBC Gold app, I think you can actually watch it on there. But it's not part of the actual TV yeah. program. But anyway, um, yeah. it's still yeah, it's pretty exciting. And I did hear you. I guess you told Steve in post race interviews that you were struggling a little bit with the hydraulic clutch. Um, I've never rode a bike with a hydraulic clutch. Uh, just can you describe the difference in feeling at all? Yeah, the biggest thing, and I mean, I'm, I don't know if struggling is the right word that mm-hmm. I use, but it's, um, it's just a different to get used to. And then the bike has some more power this year on the, on the bottom end. And with the hydraulic clutch, it's just on or off. Where okay. a table, you can have, you have a lot more, like you can slip it a little bit more. Yeah. But once you get, the feeling of the hydraulic clutch down is just bang. It's the same every single time where cable clutch, I feel like is pretty inconsistent. And that's why I wanted to go to the hydraulic was just cause it's the same every single time off the start. And the cable clutch always had a different feel to me. One time I'd nail a start. The next time I'd, I'd wheelie the next time it would slip. So I just felt like if I can eliminate that, but the first day I started riding with it was the week of Anaheim one. Oh, okay. So, even if I'm getting, even if I'm doing good starts during practice, I still don't have that 100% confidence going to the line like I did with the cable clutch. And it's just time. It's just reps. I drilled the start in the heat race this past weekend and whole, had a huge hole shot, but I couldn't replicate that for the main. So it'll it'll come around. I, I think I'm learning. And um, but yeah, it's just time. I mean, we're so in tune with our bikes. I mean, I ride nearly every day. I've ridden the cable clutch nearly every day right. for the past three years, so that's ingrained in my hand and, and in my mind. So sure, sure. Um, the hydraulic, I'm just basically two weeks on it. So uh, just a confidence thing and, and, the, and then just a feel thing, just that feeling of, of where the engagement point is and stuff. Okay. Uh, last question. Uh, a lot of our listeners uh, and some of my buddies were, were heavily involved with uh, the fantasy leagues. 
as a writer, how annoyed do you get by fans talking about your or on Twitter or just talking to you at the races about fantasy? And, and do <laughs> you play at all? Uh, I don't play. I'm looking forward to playing at one time, though, for sure. When I'm done racing, absolutely I'll play. Yeah. I think it's super cool. And thankfully, I don't feel like I give the fantasy players really highs or really lows. So they don't. I'm kind of like not talked about much. I'm, I just feel like from what I've heard, I'm just a solid pick. If you want yes. some solid points, I'm always going to be there, mostly always in the top 10. I might get you a podium, maybe get you a win, but I, I would hope I don't get you a 20th. You know right, what I mean? no, so, you're right about that. Um, yeah, we... I feel like I'm a solid pick, so I don't feel like I'm harassed that much. Or <laughs> I definitely get a lot of people saying, hey, man, I picked you in fantasy tonight, but I never really get the guys like, man, you screwed me in fantasy. <laughs> now, I feel like some guys are targeted, and they're like, uh, yeah, there's specific guys, names I hear a lot. Sure. Man, he screwed me in fantasy, but uh, it's cool. I think it's a great dynamic. I think it's cool for, I mean, a lot of the privateers get talked about because of that. Oh, absolutely. get talked about, or I think if you're playing fantasy, you're watching the battle for the lead, but you're also watching the battle for 15th or whatever it is. So I think it's yep. cool. It helps guys and fans learn other riders that, that you may not have heard of before. A hundred percent. It's done that for me when I first started playing. Yeah. And I, I, I'll, I'll bust like Alex Ray's balls. I'll, you know, I'll text him and say, Hey dude, you got to make the main cause I need my points tonight, you know? And yeah, 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 yeah. just to, to frustrate those guys. I know some of them kind of get annoyed. And then you got guys like Adam Cianciarillo who says while he's out there racing, he's thinking about, wait, I picked this guy. Should I pass him or not? <laughs> cause it's, <laughs> it's going to hurt my yeah. fantasy score. So, yeah, yeah. Exactly. well Justin man uh, good luck this weekend it may be uh, a muddy one again uh, but really appreciate you coming on for us tonight and uh, man look forward to seeing you get another win yeah thanks a lot for having me and uh, yeah hopefully hopefully it's not too wet but uh, we should have a good good weekend of racing absolutely Justin thanks man you have a good night cool thank all you right, see, see you, bud. all right that's Justin Brayton um, yeah man you know with him like he said he's always consistent he, uh, if you're playing fantasy, which I know a lot of you are, he's he's a good pick to have on your team, uh, and a great guy. So if you go to, a, if you guys are going to A2 or any other races, go by the Moto Concepts truck and say hi to Justin, man. He's he's just a good dude. All right, uh, another break. We'll be back here quickly with Derek Dwyer. Once again, we are back, and our next guest of the night is brought to you by Mad Jack Synthetics. Dane Evans and Mad Jack Synthetics is an independent dealer of Amsoil Synthetic Oils. They are riders, racers, and just all-around fans of dirt bikes. Uh, contact Mad Jack Synthetics at 805-531-9551 or at madjackdiesel.shopamsoil.com for info. And follow Dane at Dane underscore Evans 393. On the line with us is Geico Honda Mechanic. Currently for Cameron McAdoo and also uh, for Jeremy Martin when he comes back very soon, hopefully, Mr. Derek Dwyer. Hey, how's it going? Going good, man. Good talking to you. Uh, had a good time visiting with you this weekend a little bit at Glendale. Um, so, yeah, man, tell me how the first two rounds have gone for yourself and the team. How you feel about it? Uh, you know, um, 
definitely uh, having Cameron on, you know, come back and really had no no clue where he was going to stack up. Um, he lined up, you know, with that was his third day on the bike, and um, you know, like the first one was kind of just get used to the bike. Second one was let's throw a couple of shocks and forks at him, and <laughs> you know, the third one, hey, let's go to the big show and um, see where we stack. So uh, he had a couple good little rides going throughout the night, you know. And, uh, I mean, we overall we ended 11th, which isn't where we were hoping. We were thinking maybe more towards 7 or 5. Right. But, um, you know, it's a work in progress at the moment. So, yeah, and then Glendale, kind of the same thing, had a – Eighth, ninth place battle going on with a couple guys. Um, he was riding really well, and then um, just made a mistake, got passed, and then made another mistake, and that ended the night basically with another eleventh. So uh, this week we're we're going to work on some starts, mm-hmm. and you know, go into this weekend, um, try to get a start and be able to see what the front runner speed is and. Yeah, see how long we can hang in there. But his fitness is awesome. Um, we just got to, you know, fine-tune the bike a bit for him and uh, keep chugging along. Yeah, so I've talked to you uh, and done some interviews with you, you know, over the last couple weekends. But for those who haven't maybe watched the YouTube videos yet, um, kind of repeat what you told me about Cameron and um, his youth and his ability to absorb and be willing to absorb what you guys are telling him. Yeah, um, so the past few years, I've actually worked with a lot of the um, guys that have been around the industry for a while, you know, so this year, uh, with Martin out um, and working with McAdoo, it's like two different worlds. You know, McAdoo's second year in, um, the kid's unbelievable, uh, off the bike, you know, his fitness, all that, he's He's done a really good job. He's built a great nutrition plan. Um, the the amount of information that he actually takes with him, you know, we have a bunch of knowledgeable guys, I would say, and uh, each day somebody will tell him something and then you'll see him apply it, you know, the next day or a couple of days later. And um, it's really cool to see that because when you get a little bit older guys, they're kind of set in their ways. They know what they want. Um, the younger guys, they, they typically don't really have a clue of what they want and they kind of just want to ride the motorcycle. But, um, from last year to this year with McAdoo on the team, um, he's impressed me a lot this year cause he's actually, he knew what he made mistakes in last year and he's definitely set his, uh, best foot forward on changing those. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's just, yeah, it's really cool to see the younger guy. Um, start grabbing the information sooner than running with it. Yeah, and how is he in, just on race day in the pits? Um, you know, some guys are quiet and closed off. Um, some guys, you know, are kind of moody. Is I mean, is he, you know, joking around, getting along with the team? What's he like? Yeah, he's he's super easy going. Um, like I said, he's a good kid. Yeah. A uh, great heart. Um, you know, he lived with me for a little bit, so we actually had a, a – a really good relationship and just applying that day to day that when he did live with me last year, um, 
to race day, it's, it's super simple. Uh, if I tell him to do something, he typically doesn't hesitate. He'll do it. Um, so yeah, it's been really easy. Good. Um, so, you know, like you said, you, you were working with Jeremy, Jeremy got injured this summer, uh, and then you were going to work with Chase, I believe Sexton before the, he got hurt. Uh, no, actually I was kind of just going to be the spare guy. Oh, okay. Um, i I did a, a lot of the off season testing with all of the other mechanics and, you know, so like knowing Jeremy wasn't going to be coming back, it was kind of like, okay, what's my role going to be? And, um, you know, the team come to me and said, basically you'll go ahead and, um, go to all the rounds if you want to go all the rounds and, uh, we can use you in house, you know, and, uh, help the R and D guy out, K- uh, Christian KB, mm-hmm. and um, you know, just kind of fill some voids, and you know, try to make the program more uh, productive and stuff instead of you know leaving on a Wednesday or whatever. I'll leave on a Friday so I can get more done for those extra two days. Okay. Um, and then yeah, Chase ended up getting his collarbone um, broken on a mountain bike. Yeah. So that uh, pretty much put a halt on him racing west and moved him east. And, you know, the team likes to, to have at least two guys at the races. Sure. Um, so it was kind of a no-brainer to bring back a guy that's already got a year and a half with the team. And, I mean, we've invested into him, and he's invested in us over the last year and a half. Um so with him being semi-available and willing to come back over here, it was uh, that was the choice. And they're like, you know, Derek's the guy that's available, and you know, you guys can work together. So yeah, that works out really well. I mean, you know, unfortunately, it took some injuries for for that to happen for Chase to get that spot back. But um, you know, it, it's a good fit, and it, it you guys were already buddies. So yeah, that works out. Yeah, and then I never want to see anybody hurt. Um, you know, Jeremy being hurt, Christian got a bump in. Yeah, uh, Chase. You know, it's a, it's the name of the sport, unfortunately, but um, it happens, and the teams just have to make do and um, make the best decisions. Absolutely. Um, so we got a triple crown coming up this weekend. Um, as a mechanic, I know, and a team, I know those things, especially last year were very difficult for you guys. Um, no time in between really, especially if there was an issue, new rules this year where you could bring a second bike if you want. Um, what do you think about the triple crown? What do you think about the opportunity to bring two bikes? Um, what are your thoughts on the whole situation? Um, well, you know, I don't, I don't mind the triple crown, um, the one thing that I, I wish they would do instead of implementing a two-bike rule is, and I'll give you the reasons why in a second, but um, I wish they would just give in between Moto 1 and Moto 2 and then Moto 2 and Moto 3 mm-hmm. just another 15 minutes. Um, the amount of work that we as the professional mechanics side can get done in 15 minutes is it's pretty impressive sometimes, you know, so we've gotten engine swaps down to right at 19 minutes. So it's like, if we had 15 extra minutes, we could get 
stuff done and we wouldn't have to have this extra expense of uh, more motorcycles or more crew, um, more hotel rooms, more yeah. rental cars. You know what I mean? So it, it, I see where they're coming from, but um, I personally, I don't really care for the two-bike thing. I wish they would just implement 15 minutes or so in, in between. And, um, you know, like, look out for the guys that can't have two bikes. You know, there's, there's private teams out there that their practice bike is their race bike. Yeah. So, it, you know, unfortunately, I, I think about those guys, and unfortunately, I think that it it's great for, you know, us who can maybe afford it or have the equipment, but for those guys, it's just, it's a bit unfair, and, um, Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with you. Um, as a fan, I think the Triple Crown format's kind of cool. You know, um, not so much for the reason that I think Feld is doing it. Feld's doing it more so that the people, the fans that come to watch, they see the superstars of the sport more often. Um, you know, more more events, I guess, which that I, I like it just because it's a little bit different. It just throws a, a kink in everything. And yeah. It's kind of interesting. Um, yep. But yeah, for you guys, it's and, and the privateers, it's definitely very difficult. But r- realistically, most of the privateers don't seem to make it into the triple crown. Yeah, I'm, it, it is a tough one. Um, but you know, on the flip side, like Zach Osborne last year, he made a comment about how he liked the triple crown, and I, I like I said, I like it. Um, I think the thing that they could change also is being a points race per race yeah. instead of just paying out the overall. I don't believe the majority of the people in the stands can understand and do the math on who is actually winning the overall while the motos are happening. No, you're so, definitely right about that. It's complicated. Um, it's more of a TV side of it, I think, and, mm-hmm. you know, than the stand side of it. But um, if if they had an overall points paying, I think it'd be more beneficial for the title contenders, or it might even make it a bit more interesting too. Yeah, it could throw. I mean, it, I, do you think it should be twenty five or twenty six points for a win per event per Triple Crown three race format? Um, or no, a I, little less. I think a little less. Yeah, getting into the overall series points and how like. Um, guys will point out, you know? So mm-hmm. I think that you'd have to just take in consideration um, that maybe it's a 30-point total, and you can get, you know, 10 for each race as okay, opposed yeah, yeah. to 25 or something at the overall. Sure. So there is an added bonus to go out and win all three motos or two of the three, you know? But, yeah. uh you definitely have to take it into consideration with the overall points for the end of the season and how that plays a factor on uh, guys pointing out, you yeah, know, being yeah. their last season or something. And um, next thing you know, they're searching for a 450 <laughs> Right, exactly. Hey, uh, I want to change the gears real quick. Like, it just hit me that you were MX, MX and Nations uh, wrenching for K Dub. How was that? Um, actually, I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> That was um, Richard Sterling, but I was there as the... I built the second motorcycle for Hunter Lawrence, so the Australian side. Um, We went there pretty much low to no testing. We tested leading into it in Michigan, 
um, with Hunter. And I built one spec motorcycle, and his mechanic, that is his mechanic right now, Adam Snyder, built the other spec. Mm-hmm. And he basically bounced back and forth between the two bikes. Oh, okay. And then when he, when he chose a spec, we updated the secondary bike, and he raced, <clears throat> raced both bikes um, throughout the weekend. So it actually was pretty cool. Uh, K-Dub, you know, I'm a huge fan. I've, I've done some stuff with him in the past. Yeah. And, uh, he's just such a fan favorite. I mean, how can you not love the dude? Um, the, the crowd was unreal for him. Oh yeah. Not, so, uh, it was really cool to see him back around our pits. Yeah. I just, I guess I saw you when he came in, uh, for, I think it was during practice or something. He came in and you were helping with the bike. So I thought, I thought you were helping him out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think we had to do a quick wash and then um, a clutch and some other stuff real quick for him. So I just helped Richard on that one. Okay. Uh, just tag team it to get him back out there. Well, uh, Derek, tell me what, on the weekend, like I was talking to you this weekend about, you know, you what times you get to the races and how long your days can be and setting up the truck and the tents and all the different things that, that the – Average fan doesn't realize that you have to do on a weekend. What is the worst part of your job? Um, <laughs> uh, the worst part. See, I would think tearing um, down at the end of the night when you're tired after the end of the the weekend, like that would be the worst part for me. Well, I mean, it, it, it's a catch twenty two on that one. Um, because if you do good, mm-hmm. you know if. if Say we we win the race, you celebrate, you're laughing, you're having a good time. Tearing down, you know, usually takes a bit longer, um, and it's okay. But when it rains, like it's the last <clears throat> what four or five races that we've attended to, yeah, that typically becomes the time that you're like, man, I really just wish we could come back tomorrow morning and take this bad boy down, but. Um, unfortunately we have to pack it up wet and then, you know, shut the doors and walk to our cars wet. Right. And then um, clean the mess yeah. up the following day, I guess, when you get back to the shop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Indiana this year, uh, I drove out to Vegas after that to help the truck driver and we literally started cleaning at seven, seven fifteen in the morning. And I think we were done and pulling the truck in at like five o'clock in at the stadium so wow it was a mess yeah um but you know helping the truck driver get it done we definitely we did everything we could and the truck looked good for monster cup so there you go what well, yeah, yeah. I had talked to you at millville this last summer you know and, and a bunch of rain came through millville um during the week and for amateur day and you guys were kind of setting up when I was coming off the track and I was telling you how sloppy that start was. And you're like, oh, we have brand new bikes. We don't want to ride, you know, we don't want to take them through that. So yeah, yeah, yeah that was, uh, that was not the, uh, per- most perfect conditions for press day. No, no. I, uh, I mean, we, we tear down every weekend. So we yeah. bring some stuff home, you know, and prep plastics and, uh, I always bring brakes home and my bolts and stuff. So it just gives us a head start, but it's a 14 to 16 hour day on 
uh, Thursday or Wednesday if you have press, you know, early press or something, mm-hmm. um, the day before to get the things back up to optimal race condition. And um, so it's definitely, if you're going to go out there and flush around for 20 minutes and um, when you just put 14 to 16 hours of work in, it's like, it's a bittersweet thing. But sure. at the end of the day, uh, if the riders feel like, you know, it benefits them and uh, they can go perform the way they should perform, then hey, let's, let's flush your hunt in the mud. Right, exactly. Um, all right, so my last question is, um, like, what is what are your um, goals as a mechanic? I, I mean, do you would you like to step up to a four to the Honda 450 team, or are you happy with where you are? And even beyond that, what would you like to do ten years from now? Um, yeah, I to answer all of that. Um, right now, I've pretty much been this is right around, I think eleventh year doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been with really good riders. I've had great, you know, potential of winning championships and um, I've won races and stuff. Um, unfortunately, I haven't won a title and, you know, injuries are, have been a big hindrance. I've had riders that can do it and, you know, <clears throat> whatever. So, uh, as of right now, my goal is to achieve winning a title. Um, there's guys out there like Frankie, uh, Marvin's guy, it yeah. took him 16 or 17 years to win a title. It took um, a couple other guys to win, you know, titles a long time. So, like, their, their motivation for me not to get down and be like, man, I, I just wish it could happen. Um, but I really enjoy going to the races. I, I enjoy building some of the best motorcycles that are out there. Um, the R&D, everything behind the scenes, you know, we have so many good, valuable people here. It's just, it's awesome to be um, the guy pushing the bike at the end of the day to the line. Uh, you know, maybe one day when I get a little bit older, I'd like to come in and maybe do engines or um something in-house, but yeah. I don't see that for a few years, okay. at least a few years. Um, I hope to to give it a good run in the next couple of years with Jeremy and, and the team. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've had some offers to some other teams, and um, I've, I'm just kind of true to this team. I really like their atmosphere. I like the, the owners of it. Um, management, you know, we had Loraco, and now we have uh, Dan Bentley, um, they've been really good. Uh, I get along great with pretty much everybody, and um, the team's just a great family-oriented team. So it's it's kind of hard to beat. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, why? Well, yeah, you know, being a Honda guy myself, that's you know that's where I would want to be if I had a choice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you look at injuries, you know, Justin Bogle broken back, he won a title. Will Hahn, multiple injuries, won a title for the team. Um, Jeremy Martin, he's had injuries. The team is stuck behind a lot of people. Yes. And a lot of teams don't do that. And I feel like that's a very big characteristic of this team. So to be part of it, 
and be a front runner of it. You know, I've been here six years now. Um, it's just enjoyable knowing that, you know, if something was to happen to me, there's a good chance that they wouldn't, you know, kick me to the curb, but right. uh, maybe keep me alone or something. Yeah, that's, that's a big deal, man. I mean, no doubt having that job security, um, it makes it makes it easier to do your job. We're not worried, uh, stressing, and I mean, just that kind of stress takes a toll on your personal life, your work life. So yeah, sounds like you're in a good situation, man. I'm really happy for you, and I always appreciate you taking a few minutes for me. Oh yeah, no problem. Anytime, like I tell you. Well, thank you, man. Um, appreciate you coming on. Uh, I will see you again in Dallas, and well, no, Dallas is east, so we, you won't be there, right? Or will you still be there? Uh, I might be because I think we might be going there to build the triple crown bikes okay. for the East coast guys. Okay. Um, yeah, cause that whole situation, you know, we're, we're basically just going to use our West coast bikes yeah. for those other guys. So, okay. um, yeah. Makes sense. Well, if I don't see you in Dallas for some reason, I will see you in Houston. So. Man, thanks. Right. Thanks again, bud. I appreciate you and uh, have a good night. Yeah, you too. Thank you. All right, Derek. See you, bud. Bye. Derek Dwyer, Geico Honda uh, mechanic for Cameron McAdoo and Jeremy Martin. Just follow him on Instagram. Um, really cool guy. And again, just like I told you with uh, Justin Brayton, if you're at a race, go go by the Geico tent and say hi to Derek. Uh, very friendly. He'll come talk to you answer your questions you know i mean don't bug him too much obviously they're working but um he's definitely he'll take a few minutes to say hi to you and great dude all right back here shortly Our next guest is brought to you by MX Girl Designs. If you're looking to make your modern bike pop or freshen up your vintage bike, Charlene at MX Girl Designs can fix you up. Char does fantastic custom work at a great price. Contact Char at mxgirl.com for info. So on the line with me is Miss Mariana Street. She is the girlfriend of Tyler Inktonap, also known as the Seven Deuce Trace. What's up, Mariana? Hey, hey, what's up? Uh, Not much, just... uh, getting a show done tonight and uh really excited to talk to you to to hear what it's like living with uh or being with tyler Entingnap. oh i'm excited to answer these questions <laughs> well are you nervous at all a little bit yeah because i just don't know what to expect so i'm a little nervous but i'm excited to hear what you guys have to say well, it'll, it'll be pretty easy. Um, I'm the only one in studio tonight because my, my producer, is, he's headed to Anaheim because his son is racing the Supercross Futures, and my other co-host had to work late, so it's just me. Um, but, well, let's start off with how did you meet Tyler? Ooh, this is a good one. We Sweet. actually met on the dating app Bumble. <laughs> nice. So I've heard of that. Nothing, 
Yeah, nothing too crazy or too super romantic, but um, we met on Bumble, and we dated for a little bit here and there, but he was going into the Supercross season, this last Supercross season, so he was kind of like, you know, I'm not looking for a girlfriend, I just need to get my head in the game, and I was like, no worries, like, I understand, like, cool dude, like, I like him, we'll see if there's something that happens in the future, and then he broke his pelvis after I think about a two. So mm-hmm. like the third round in of last season. And then after that, we started dating more serious and yeah, the rest is history. Well, what did you know anything about the sport of motocross or supercross before you met him? No, not at all. I'm originally from the Bay area and no one I know there raced or, you know, like riding dirt bikes wasn't really a big thing in Silicon Valley. At least no one I knew did it. So yeah. When I first met him, he kind of had to teach me everything. I had no idea what it was. I had never been to a supercross. Awesome. I just kind of thought, like, people just went to the desert and rode dirt bikes. Yeah. But I knew really nothing about it. So what was your uh, initial reaction the first time you uh, went to a supercross race and went in the stadium, saw the track, saw the, the trucks and the lights and the you know the, the fireworks and everything? What was that like? So my first race was actually a one of last season and I just went with my best guy friend and he grew up racing and everything like that. And he was like, yeah, like it's so fun. Like I'll go with you. Like it's a good time. And it was so fun. Like it was such a great experience. It was nothing like I've ever experienced before. And it wasn't at all what I expected it to be like. And after that, I was like, wow, like I really understand why people are diehard fans. Like this is so fun. And the fireworks just everything. Like it's just so loud and fun. And, it's just a great time. Absolutely. So I want to step back for just a second. You said you're from the Bay Area. So there's a question right here that may, it's going to affect our our future friendship. Okay. Niners Hit or me. Raiders? Oh, no. Okay. Well, if you know Tyler, you know he's the biggest Raiders fan. And I actually, my whole family is Raiders fans. But I'm actually a 49ers fan myself. You so. and I are best friends now. Niners. There we go. Niners awesome. Nation. You, How are you friends with Tyler then? Well, I didn't know that he was a Raiders fan. I didn't pay that. I didn't, I didn't oh, realize that. Biggest. So he and I are no, he yeah. and I are no longer friends, but you and I are lifelong friends. Oh, I'm down with it. Yeah. He's the biggest Raiders fan. That was one of the first questions I asked him. I was like, please <laughs> tell me you're not a Raiders fan. And he was like, actually, I'm a diehard. And I was like, Ooh. oh, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Well, you know, honestly, I don't have, I, I don't live in the Bay Area. Clearly I'm in Texas now, but um, I don't really have an issue with the Raiders. The only team that I despise is the Cowboys. I hate the Cowboys more than I love my Niners. But so how is that going for you living in Texas hating the Cowboys? It's uh, it's rough. Um, and the reason I really began to hate them was in the mid-90s when the Cowboys won their three Super Bowls and the Niners won one in between there. That was just the biggest rivalry there was. They were the two best teams by far. And uh, the, the Cowboys got the better of the Niners three out of four years. And I, I just... I can't let it go. That was it for you. Yeah, I'm I'm holding that grudge forever. I don't forever. blame you. So I don't blame you. But yeah, I grew up like playing football. I always wore the number eighty for Jerry Rice. That was my guy. I feel like he could still come back and be the best receiver ever. Oh, I don't doubt it. <laughs> I don't doubt it one bit. But so yeah, Sundays are very interesting. I personally also go for the Broncos because I have family oh, yeah. from Denver, so we kind of swap between channels to watch all the games. Yeah, right. But yeah, he's a diehard Raiders fan. It's unfortunate. Oh, well, I, I think uh, next time I see him, I'll have to make sure I have a Niners jersey on. Oh, please do. I would love that. I would make my world go round. All right, so we'll, we'll do that at Dallas at Cowboy Stadium. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure to do that. We'll get on the vlog. <laughs> 
Oh my God. Yeah. You have to get on the blog. She's blogging everything now. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I guess, so you, you started dating Tyler and I'm sure you continue to go to races as you guys, um, as your relationship grew and built, at what point did you start kind of getting involved with this program? I know you do some of the filming for him. Um, I'm sure you help with a lot of other aspects. You know, how long did that take before you really became a part of the team? Um, so I think it took a while. It He definitely has a really big team of just, he has a great program going between, you know, obviously his brother Addy races and they both um, have a really, really great trainer named Taylor. And then you obviously have met Clint Lund, his mechanic and, his dad and everyone in his family is so involved. So it was definitely kind of hard to integrate into that team, but just kind of like going and supporting and being there kind of eventually integrated. But I would say it took a couple races. because I also knew nothing going on. So I kind of had money at his um, fiance. She's been like my guru through this whole thing. She had to teach me everything about supercross nice. and the sport. Cause, you know, Tyler talked, motocross dirt bike terms to mean it's like another language so it's taken me a while but i think this season the supercross season a1 is where things finally started to click where i felt kind of more a part of that program and yeah it's been it's taken a while but yeah. i mean just like anything sure yeah i think it's really cool because i'll be honest i i didn't you know i, I knew that um addy was with ash you know I, i've seen their, their interaction on Instagram and stuff. But Tyler kind of keeps his personal life a little bit more quiet, I think. Um, I didn't re- even realize he had a girlfriend, to be honest, until I saw you on the vlog. Um, so, yeah, I hope that you continue to come to the, to the races, as, you know, all of them, if you can. Um, I, I think it – I'm kind of on the – there's a guy named Chris Kiefer. I don't know if you know who he is. He's a tester. Yeah, I've met him a couple of times. Okay, I met Ke- him at Milestone. Yeah, Kiefer is super <laughs> rad, and he – 100% believes that like a good home life, having a good woman on your side is a key to success in life, but especially in motocross, cause you got to stay grounded. Um, so yeah, I think it's really great that you're involved. Um, what is your favorite part of the sport, whether it be just being at the races or, you know, just anything in general, it could be practicing. What, what do you think? What's the, the most exciting for you? Honestly, this might sound cheesy, but I definitely mean this from the bottom of my heart. I think my favorite thing is being in the pits with Tyler and seeing people come up to him and just the interaction that he has with the people who stop by the pits to say hi. Like, just because I know Tyler as Tyler, my boyfriend, and then there's obviously the other side of him that's Tyler, the professional racer. But to see people just believe in him and come by and just talk to him and just say all these amazing things to him, it's just kind of like, rad just to stand back and observe that and i've been getting some of it on the blog on the vlog but just kind of seeing how much people believe in him and support him is honestly been my favorite part because as his girlfriend you know like i obviously believe in him and i see all the amazing potential that he has but so to see these other people who believe in him and love him just as much has just honestly been so rewarding and i think that's probably my favorite thing out of all of it because the riding and the racing that all makes me nervous i love yeah. watching him ride and race but there's also the girlfriend element where I'm sitting there just like, don't go down, go, don't go down, don't go down. Like, so yeah, honestly, that's my favorite part. Yeah. And, and Tyler and his brother, Adam have such great personalities and they're genuine. You know, I know a lot of they're, they're just, they're always upbeat. Um, I'm sure they have their bad moments, but it seems like they're always upbeat. They're always, they always make time for their fans. 
Um, and, and that's that's kind of rare sometimes in some of the sports, especially as the guys become the superstars. Um, yeah. I just think their personalities are are perfect for what they're doing. Yeah, they're both just very down-to-earth dudes, and I think people don't realize that because obviously, you know, Addy's brother has this, like, big character personality, but they're just so easy and down-to-earth that if you just stop by and talk to them, like, they'll have full conversations with you, and they're just, they're yeah. both really, really rad guys. Yeah, I don't know if you know this, but um, last year at St. Louis, so, well, first let me back up a little. Our show is fairly new. It's a couple years old. Um, we our first okay. our first Supercrosses as a show were last year. So we went to Houston, Dallas, and then I flew to St. Louis. And um, I flew in early, and I was there all day Friday. And um, Addie and Tyler were hanging out. And I, I sat and talked to those guys for a couple of hours probably and talked to Adam about um, Ash, you know, um, Chris Kiefer had actually called Addie out on the Pulp MX show. It's like, when are you going to make Ash – you know, uh, a respectable woman, when are you going to propose? And I asked Adam at, at St. Louis, I said, man, how'd you feel about that? And he, he, he was really awesome. Like how, um, how he felt about her, how honest he was. And he didn't know me that well at the time. Um, just, it was really cool. I mean, how, yeah, like you say, personable and honest and just, just real people they are. Cause I, I felt like I became like, I felt like I became friends with them that day. Yeah, exactly. They're both just super down to earth and they're just like dudes, dudes. Like if you want to come by and talk to them about football, they'll be down to talk to you about football. They're just, they're just really rad in that way. And that's sure. what I've really noticed just hanging out in the pits and seeing, I don't want to say fans, but people come up and talk to them and just how personal they are. Cause it's just, it's refreshing. I think, I mean, I'm so, still so new to the sport, but I've had people come up to me and just kind of be like, wow, like that's really cool that yeah. your boyfriend's just so down to talk like I've heard about other experiences where there's been other writers but I also don't know their situation you know the pits are hectic but yes they're always down to conversate and talk to you and I think that's just it's one of my favorite things about them for sure all right so you talked about being nervous when they when he's riding um you know what's that like so you know I mean you know how dangerous this is what goes through your mind while he's out practicing racing um you know do you you stay focused on them the entire time or do you kind of look away out of nervousness? What's, what's a, what's that like for you? Honestly, I, well, I've been vlogging for him at all of the races and for his practices. So he'll kind of give me the like, babe, can you vlog this? And I'm like, yeah, I've got it. So I'm kind of watching him also vlogging. So it's like double focus on him, yeah. but I'm just anxious just because Supercross is such, it's an amazing sport, but it's such a high risk sport and I know that in the back of my head so when I'm out there I'm just kind of just trying to like be positive put that positive energy towards him and just kind of have the mindset that you know he knows what he's doing this is what he trains for year round just keep it positive don't even think about you know high risk injuries anything like that and just pray a little bit before he goes out there (laughs) and that's all I can really do you know he's the athlete he knows what he's doing and I just have to you know hope for the best and just focus on that. Yeah. And you also mentioned that when you first started talking right after you first started talking, he had the injury last year. Um, so you've been around him injured. Um, what's he like? Is he, is he a big baby? Um, I wouldn't say big baby, but it's obviously such a bummer because he got hurt so early on in the Supercross season that yeah. there was obviously the, like, it was almost like a morning. It was like a hardcore bumming factor. And then, 
his brother was also racing, so he was, like, supportive of Addy, but he was also bummed that he wasn't out there doing that. So the moment he got on, I think he was barely on crutches by the time he was already back out at Supercross traveling with Addy. So he just, he's not a big baby, but it's obviously tough, and all he'll talk about is that he wants to be out there, and it's hard for him. You know, this is what, this is his career. This is what he trains for yeah. all year. So it was just definitely hard, but he's he's got a really, really positive mindset. And he's got an amazing team behind him. So he just kind of bounced back and made the best of it and just started wrenching for Addy and traveling with him. So yep. it honestly wasn't too bad. That's It's funny. I, I was kind of hoping he'd bust his balls a little bit because I've had other girlfriends or wives like, oh, my God, he's just like he cries and he whines and he can't do anything. And, you know, guys, are we, we act all tough and macho, but then when we get hurt, usually we're big babies. So that's why <laughs> – yeah. yeah, and I mean, he's had so many injuries, and yeah. he bounces back really fast, and honestly, he had his melodramatic days where I was like, you know what, like, I understand, but he's honestly a pretty positive guy, yeah. and he's the biggest fishing man I've ever met, so he kind of made it as, like, a positive thing. He's like, well, I mean, I'm injured, and I can't race, but I can go fishing, there so he definitely made good use of his downtime, and he bounced back pretty fast, so I mean, he... He's not too bad, but there's definitely some moments. I don't want to give him too much credit. <laughs> All right. So tell me, what is your favorite um, characteristic of Tyler? Ooh, this is a hard one. Okay. There's a lot. Well, give I'm me a couple then. Give me a couple that just stand out. Like, well, let's let's stay. Go back to when you first start met on Bumble. Um, and you're just, I'm assuming, I don't know how this works cause I haven't ever used it. I'm assuming you're just messaging each other back and forth. What was the first thing that attracted you to him? Well, I'm going to, so this is going to be hard for me to say right now, but I honestly didn't look. So on dating apps, you have like your bio and you have your photos. I honestly didn't look at his bio. So I didn't know that he was a racer mm -hmm. or anything like that. The first thing I saw was his long hair <laughs> and that for me, I swiped right. And after that I was just hooked, but he's got such a great personality he's just very down to earth like I could just talk to him about anything and he was just down to listen and down to chat about anything he's funny he's really really funny so that's another characteristic yeah he's just one of the good ones he's one of the good guys and I feel like I got really lucky meeting someone like him on a dating app but there's so many characteristics he's funny he's smart a lot of people don't know that but he's super super smart he knows sometimes he like kills me with the amount of stuff he knows like he loves like dropping some knowledge on me and making me feel like so stupid but i love that about him <laughs> that, he's super sarcastic yeah that's something that i love about him there's there's a lot of things but if you put me on the spot i'm gonna I, my brain's going blank well no you gave a, a a number that's great um i yeah I, I hated that he cut his hair i was kind of bummed on that so i know i went with him and i just couldn't look i was like are you sure you yeah. want to do this like i'm sure and the moment the guy that was doing his hair cut the first snip and I watched it drop to the floor, I was like, okay, I'm just not going to watch. I'm going to oh, look yeah. away. And he walked up and I was like, it's actually not bad. I really dig it now, but I definitely miss his long hair. But it's, it's the best move for him right now. He's sure. trying to have a more professional look to him. And I can understand that. But, you know, once it's off season, I hope the hair comes back. Yeah, I, I've got somebody trying to do a little, um, what's the word? Like trying to raise some money. Um by, they want me to cut my hair for charity, basically. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I, my chick's not going to have that. She's There's no way. 
So, yeah, but it's for a good cause. Yeah, I, I, I don't think my fiance is going to care. She told me if she, yeah, ever, she's going to be like, no, you're keeping the hair. Yeah, I got she, that thing. She told me if I ever cut mine, she'd cut all hers off. Oh yeah, see that's the thing too is Tyler always tells me he likes my hair long, and I'm like, does this give me a pass now to chop my hair off? Like, how does this work? No, it does not. I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak for him. No, it does not. Oh no, it definitely doesn't. I don't get a whole pass. <laughs> One day though. Yeah. So, um, you know, we love Tyler, and he's come so close to making a main event. I, and I know yeah. that man. That that's what he wants so much. But um, you know. We, at the end of a night, like the last couple of weekends, I know have not gone how he would like them to go. How how does he uh, react? How, does he come back still in really good spirits? Is he positive? Does he have his moments where he's kind of like, man, this is this sucks? You know, what's that like for you? And and how do you how do you treat him? Uh, you know, react to him to to help him? Yeah. So honestly, I feel like if you have watched the vlogs, it's a pretty accurate representation. So he'll pick up the camera right after from the moment he comes back to the pits and kind of will talk about his emotions on the vlog. But obviously it's been, I think for any racer, you have kind of like your goals that you set for yourself at the beginning of the night. And sometimes it doesn't go your way. And he has been super positive this season so far. I think he's just gone into it with the mindset that obviously he wants to make the mains. But I think his biggest goal right now is just to be comfortable on the bike and to feel good again. Because I think people forget he got injured so early on in last season. And so he did a little bit of outdoors to get comfortable again. And he did some local races here and there. But he's, you know, still really getting back into the groove of that racing mentality. And I think he comes back obviously bummed and he has such a big support team that there's kind of like a trickle effect with who he talks to when he comes back, but it's Mm -hmm. never like, he never comes back super angry or anything. Obviously he's bummed out a little bit, but he, you know, he's like, you know what? I did this. That was good. And I did that. And I'm one step closer to my goal. And obviously I'm bummed out, but I'm going to keep this healthy mindset because beating himself down is not going to get him anywhere. It's going to take a couple steps back in his program. So he'll talk to, you know, Clinton, his mechanic Mm -hmm. and, He'll talk to Addy and his dad and his trainer, Taylor, is like one of his best friends. And he's, you know, he'll talk to all those people. And after he's done that, he'll come to me and he'll, I'll just kind of, you know, I just see it. Each race is getting one step closer to him making the main. Sure. But I think it's definitely hard because he feels like, you know, he obviously has sponsors and people that want to see him make the main just as bad as he does. And so there's definitely that, you know, I kind of let people down effect, but it's just every step every race that he's doing, he's getting closer to making that goal. And I think he handles it pretty well. He doesn't come back and throw any tantrums. It's just, you know, he's been saying like good vibes, positive mindset. Nice. Everything like is that. getting him. Yeah, exactly. Everything is getting him one step closer to his goal. And so that's just kind of how it's been. And it's honestly refreshing. I don't have to deal with him coming back and like, you know, having a meltdown or kicking his, his stand around, you know, it's just, Right. Everything, it's just a process, you know, and he's getting one step closer each time. Awesome. Well, Mariana, tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, like, what are your interests when you're not at the track? What do you like to do? What What do you want for yourself uh, in the future? So, honestly, I feel like since Tyler and I keep our dating life pretty private, a lot of people wouldn't know much about me, but I personally am a full-time college student. I'm going into my last semester of college before I graduate. So for me, I just want to focus on getting a real adult job and (laughs) 
getting into the adult world because I've been in college too long. I'm ready. But um, in the downtime, I honestly, I spend a lot of time, my downtime with Tyler just because he is traveling so much that the downtime that I get with him is nice. So a lot of that time spent at like the track or out at the ranch because he lives, I'm sure you guys know, he lives on a big ranch in Lompoc. Mm -hmm. So just kind of following him around through that stuff, hanging out with Ash, Addy, and little Drake. And that's just kind of been what my life has been for the past almost year of dating Tyler. And, you know, obviously I have my own hobbies, but it's been a lot of that. Well, what are that's what are those hobbies? What what do you like to do? Honestly, I'm a shopaholic. That's my problem. <laughs> okay. I have a collection of band tees that Tyler always makes fun of me for because every day it's a new band tee. But I honestly, I'm pretty laid back. I just like spending time with my family. I have my brothers out here in Southern California with me, and so I spend a lot of time with him. I love listening to podcasts and just trying to be as active as I can. Yeah. But Honestly, I'm pretty laid back. I just kind of like hanging out and going with the flow and just hanging, honestly, just hanging out. I know it's not like the most exciting. I'm not like into like any crazy sports or anything like that, but yeah, just kind of family time, hanging out with friends and that's all I really need. Awesome. Well, let's, let's see if we can take our friendship to the, to the next step. Uh, give me your three best band tees. Ooh, Honestly, I'm trying to think. I have a growing collection, but so my dad raised me on like classic rock and roll and the blues. So a lot of the t-shirts I have are like ACDC, Led Zeppelin. Tyler's sister just gave me my first Pink Floyd shirt, which I was super stoked on. Heck yeah. I'm trying to think. Yeah, just a lot of classic rock. All right. Hey, so yeah, we're it, we're we're becoming better friends. I mean, clearly by my hair, you can tell I, I'm a rock metal guy. So yeah, um, I'm I'm right there. I mean, I, I love the blues. What do you you know who Joe Bonamassa is? No, my dad raised me on like ZZ Top. Okay. Um, a lot of BB King, yeah. Muddy Waters, all of that. Because my dad just he works on motorcycles and old classic cars. So I would just as a kid sit out there in the garage with him, and that's what. He'd be playing on the radio, so that's just kind of like growing yep. up. That's what I was raised on. Awesome. Well, yeah, that's that. Hey, we're 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 cool. You and I are we're 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 buddies. Oh, I'm stoked! I love it. <laughs> so, I guess my last question is: Have you thrown your leg over a bike yet, a pit bike or anything? Um, I've definitely thrown my leg over his bike. I sat on the back of it. Clint Lund will be. He was the only one who witnessed this. But Tyler has these open ride days on. Sunday at his track at his house that yeah. he does um and so Tyler was done riding one day and I was just out there and he was like well do you want to get on the back and kind of go around the track and I was like yeah why not and he ended up going over a massive jump with me on the back and I'm of course in like shorts and sandals and I was I loved it but I was also terrified because my butt left the seat like <laughs> 10 inches and I was no helmet on or anything and I was like holy crap, this was one of the best things I've ever done, but also the most terrifying. But honestly, after seeing all of Tyler's injuries, I'm kind of, I'm kind of okay off of it. I've never actually ridden a dirt bike myself, but I also, I don't know, maybe one day it will happen, but so far it hasn't. Okay. Well, yeah, you should, you should try. I'm sure they got little like 150s or something like that laying around and just, it's a lot of fun. I think you, yeah, you'll, once you do it, you'll just, you'll want to do it all the time. And you'll probably, I could see you going out to like your local track and lining up in a women's class and see, and you'll be all in. 
that's what Tyler says too. And I know because I'm an adrenaline junkie. I like anything that can get my heart rate going fast. So I know that once I do get on one, I know I'm going to enjoy it. But oh, they're just scary. They're fun. But they're scary. It is, but it's 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 worth it. Yeah, exactly. All right, Mariana. Well, thank you so much for coming on tonight for a little bit and uh, giving us a little bit of your your story with Tyler. Um, Tyler's definitely one of the Moto X Pod Show's favorite people. He's been on no, a number of times, and we we love having Tyler as a a friend. Yeah, he's so rad. No, thank you so much for having me. It's fun. I don't ever really get to talk about Tyler in this sense, <laughs> so it's kind of fun. I liked it. Well, I'm glad that you did it. Uh, I'm glad I got a chance to meet you. And, uh, yeah, so do you plan on coming to most of the races? Will you be at Dallas, Houston? So, right now, I'm actually on winter break. So, that's how I'm able to go okay. to a lot of the races. So, I plan on going to the rest of the West Coast races. And I'll be at a couple of the East Coast. But I haven't planned on anything for Texas yet. But I would love to go to Texas. So, yeah. hopefully, we'll see what happens. Dallas is considered an East race. But, you know, it's kind of central. But, yeah, if you can make it, we'll, uh, like I told you, my fiance and I will take you out for some Tex-Mex. Oh, yeah. you Well, once you start talking about Tex-Mex, I told Tyler, I was like, I think I might have to go to one of the Texas races because yeah. I'm such a big booty that Tyler's a massive booty. So anytime we can go and travel and eat, I'm always down for it. Well, I'll, uh, I'll text him and you before the two Texas rounds, and maybe we can work that out where you can come to one of them, and uh, we'll go get some Tex-Mex. Yeah, that'd be rad. I'd love that. All right, Mariana, you have a good night. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll see you soon. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. All right. That is uh, Mariana Street. She is Tyler X Knapp's girlfriend. Follow her on Instagram. I mean, she's really rad. So yeah, give her a follow. Um, anyway, don't forget about the giveaway for the drop FMF, the drop, take a picture, send us a picture on Instagram, tag us, tag FMF with you wearing some FMF apparel or with your FMF exhaust. We'll get you entered in. Here in the coming weeks, next time we do a live stream, we will let you know ahead of time uh, when we do a live stream of the show, and we will do a contest with you guys that are listening, that are you know on the YouTube and can interact with us, and we'll pick a winner for a year subscription to the FMF Drop. Great little thing that they've got that Donnie's got going on. Um, rad products. Don't forget about all our sponsors, Works Wheels and Mods, Extreme Colors, Torque One Racing, our title sponsor, Shock Socks, MX Girl Designs, All Sport Dynamics, Mad Jack Synthetics, Fly Racing, Power Band Racing, all the people that help us out. Um, thank you to John K. Spear, Justin Brayton, Derek Dwyer, Mariana Street. Uh, I, hope, I hope the show went well. Uh, doing this by myself is always kind of a little, little bit awkward. Maybe it doesn't flow as well as I'd like it to. I uh, hope the sounds are good. Yeah, uh, go to our YouTube channel, Moto X Pod Show. Check out the vlogs. I've, we've posted vlogs from Glendale, Anaheim, Press Day, Race Day, uh, Supercross Futures. I did some stuff. TJ did some stuff with his trip out to Supercross Futures, his drive out there with his family. I think he's posted some other stuff today where he's been out uh, in the California area doing some riding and hanging out. Please give us a uh, subscribe, follow, hit the subscribe button, follow us. And, uh, yeah, that's about it, man. Tell your buddies, give us some support, enter the contests, patreon.com, Moto X Pod Show, support us if you can. All right, thank you. We'll see you next week. We're out of here.